Last week we looked at uh, what does it mean to walk in God's ways, and I suggested that to walk in God's ways is to walk in God's will, and so that raises up the question of what does it really mean to to live in in the center of God's will or doing what God wants you to do? And so often when people get in discussions like that, they, they, they look for kind of a mystical or esoteric type of explanation of, of discovering that which is kind of hidden. And they think of God's will as, as something that maybe we lost and it's our challenge to find it. Well, well, God doesn't relate with us in that way. He wants us to know his plan. He wants us to know his ways. He wants us to know his will. And, and so we looked at a little book in the New Testament, uh, the book of 2 John, and 2 John is, is a letter written by John to actually a home, uh, a lady and her children. Some take that metaphorically for the church at large, but I take it as a personal letter to a, a, a mother and her children, and actually it's a, word of, it's a word of praise. And In fact, I've called it a postcard, a postcard in the New Testament, because it's only about 300 words long, and you can read it on one papyrus, if you had it in a papyrus uh, uh, book, it's one sheet of paper. And really what he does is he praises this woman and her children for walking in God's way. In fact, that's really the metaphor is, is as you walk, as your lifestyle is, you can look at it and say, am I in God's ways or am I not in God's way? Am I living according to God's plan or not living according to God's plan? Am I in God's will or not God's will? And it's no mystery. And he summarizes it in, in these three statements. I, I know you're in God's way or God's will because you're walking in truth. And that makes sense. If we were walking in truth, you could say that, that's definitely part of God's plan, right? What would, what would be the opposite? Walking in that which is wrong or that which is false. And, and then it goes, well, also, you're not only walking in God's truth, you're walking in God's love. You're walking in love, and that's the heart of God. God is love. And so we recognize that that's how God's people ought to live. And then finally, to make it very practical, you are walking in obedience, obedience to God's commandments. And so if that is true of your life, that you're walking in truth, walking in love, and walking in obedience to God's commandments, you don't have to guess whether you're in God's will. You are in God's will. And we went on a little bit more detail as far as what are some some specific things God says, which is true about people who are in God's will. You are saved, you're spirit-filled, you're... You're willing to suffer for doing that, which is good. You're submissive to those in authority. You are a person that's willing to suffer for doing that which is right, not that which is wrong. And you're a person who is living out a life of thanksgiving. And there are a variety of other things we could have pointed to. But this morning, we really look at where most of us are at when we think about God's will. Well, how do I make a decision? How do I make a choice? If it's not something specific in God's word, well, well, then how do I know if uh, what I'm about to do is what God wants me to be about doing, right? Does that make sense? And, and that could be big things when you're younger. It's about uh, once you finish high school, uh, should I go to college? And if I should go to college, what college should I go to? And once you get to college, uh, not only I'm at the college, at a college, what should I major in? And then after you're there for three weeks, you wonder, should I stay in this major? You know, people, I think now they, they, most college students change their major about six times which might mean that they have been out of God's will six times. I don't know about that. But anyway, if people are wondering, well, how can I make the right decision and never make a decision that I'll have to ever have to change? And they think that somehow God's plan, that you would always make the right decision the first time all the time. Well, I want to submit to you, then we're going to look at some principles about making decisions and choices, that really we need to go back 
to first base before we go down the path of trying to discern choices or decisions we have to make. You are in God's will if you're walking in the truth, walking in love, and walking in obedience to God's commands. And we're going to see that a little bit as I try to illustrate what really is God's will. Uh, God's will is living out the life He has called you to live. But I want to read you what um, one writer, uh, Kevin DeYoung, said about discerning, about making decisions or choices about things that are somewhat hidden uh, and uh, are we going down the right path. Some of us pursue making decisions with God's guidance is that God's playing a game with us. You ever feel like God's playing a game with you? And he's playing the, the, you know, the warmer, colder, you're getting hot, you're getting cold game. Remember that? You know, someone hides something, and then it's, uh, they, they have everyone go out looking for what's hidden. And if you're getting far away from what's hidden, they say you're, you're getting what? Colder. And if you get close to where that item is, you're getting warmer or hot, Right? And they feel that's how God is dealing with us. It's getting warmer, you're getting colder, you're getting hot, you're getting cold. And it's like God has hidden his will. But maybe there's another way to look at that. Kevin Young writes this, I'd like us to consider that maybe we have difficulty discovering God's wonderful plan for our lives. And he's talking about making those choices that aren't revealed in God's word. Because if the truth be told, he doesn't intend to tell us what it is. And maybe... We're wrong to expect him to do so. Now, he's kind of rattling our cages there. He said, look at, for us who are praying for God to say, you know, tell me what to do next specifically, that that's not what God has promised to answer. He, you know, there isn't a verse in the Bible that every time you pray a prayer, I will answer that prayer specifically telling you what your next decision ought to be. And, and the truth be known, we don't live that way, do we? I mean, when you got up this morning, did you spend a half hour in prayer before you decide what you're going to eat for breakfast? Anybody do that? One of you did. All right. <laughs> we'll pray for you. All right. Anyway, it, it, most of us didn't do that. Now, some of you, the biggest decision after church is where are you going to go to what? Where are you going to go to lunch? Now, most of you will discuss it for quite a bit of period of time, but you're probably not fasting all day. You skip breakfast so you could discern God's will about where you ought to eat, Right? You just figure he's kind of left that up to you, right? And you can know it doesn't really, he doesn't really, he, he'll say to you that, from my perspective, that wherever you go to eat, as long as it's healthy and you, and you, you pay the bill and you drive safely there, that that's within the good options according to his plan. That those things that are outside of his revealed will, you, you should just live a life that honors him and you, you can make your choices on your own. Uh, there was a, a man went to a psychiatrist, and he was wrestling with a lot of times what we all wrestle. Do you have some people in your family circle that have a hard time making decisions? Anybody know anybody like that? They can never decide anything. The doctor, I, I can't seem to make up my mind about what I should do. Have you always had trouble making decisions? Well, uh, yes and no. You <laughs> can't even decide whether they decide about whether they have a hard time making decisions. And that's often where Christians get to, whether you're, it's your first day of being a Christ follower or you've been in the Christian life for decades. And when it comes to certain decisions that are important to you, uh, earlier where you go to school, and then later on who you're going to marry, whether you're going to marry, what kind of job you're going to have, where you're going to live, all those kind of things. And you could wrestle to saying, what is God's will for my life? Well, we're going to try to look at it this morning and hopefully in the time we have left. 
What is God's will? If you have your outline, I try to break it down this way. There's three ways to look at God's will. And I think all three are, are part of God's plan for us. One is his sovereign will. Uh, secondly, his stated will. And thirdly, his sensible will. Or to put it another way, his decreed will, uh, his, descri- his described will, and his directed will. Now, because of time, I have to be careful that I don't spend too much time on any particular point. But often what we're worrying about is his decreed will, or I would put it maybe where we're mostly at, is his secret will. If you're, if you're really laboring about where you ought, whether you ought to move or not, or, or whether you ought to uh, you change your occupation, or whether you ought to um, go on a certain trip, and you're, you're wrestling, should I go on that trip or not go on that trip, or whatever it might be. Something more important maybe possibly that you, you've got some issues you're dealing with. And really what you're asking God to do is reveal to you his secret will. Isn't that true? Okay, no one can tell me directly from you know, what his will that he's not revealed. So if I just pray hard enough or ask for something miraculous, he'll reveal that to you. Well, I, I want to submit to you, there are certain parts of God's will that he is not going to reveal to you. And, and we have to live that way. For instance, just, let's just take the experience just recently. What has happened down in Texas? Did anybody know that the rains were going to come down that hard in Texas? Did anybody know that? Have you, have you discovered that, that we can complain a lot about the weather, but we have a pretty hard time what? Controlling it or changing it, right? If, and you say, look at all those, you know, there, obviously there's some, just like there are kooks in California, there's some kooks in Texas and Louisiana, but there's some godly people there, we would probably say. Well, if they are really spiritual and if they are, their prayer life was right and they were, they were trying to do things God's way, wouldn't you think God would have told them about that rain that was coming so they could have been prepared for it? Well, really, God says, no, there's certain things that are going to happen. I'm not going to tell you before it happens. There, there are some secret things that only belong to the Lord. And when we are wrestling with things that... He has not promised that he's going to reveal to us. We're wasting our time. God has never promised to do that. That makes sense? Same thing with in L.A. There's got to be some people down in L.A. that are godly, and if they had been praying when you thought they had been revealed, those fires were about to come, and so they could have prepared for that. So all I'm trying to say here, there's certain things in God's will that we will not know. Now, James chapter 4, I'll throw out a few passages. James chapter 4, verses 13 and 15, really speaks about God's sovereign will and our, our response to it. James, I'll start at verse 13 uh, in chapter 4. He says this, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such, and, such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Now, is God against making plans and, and looking for ways for employment that might be successful? Of course not. But if somehow we're convinced that our plans are always going to come to pass, then we're just, we're misguided. We're delusional. You can even say we're foolish. Verse 14, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. Does anybody know exactly what will happen tomorrow? I just had somebody right before the service plan my day tomorrow. I said, can you do this and help me here? And everything in me wanted to say no, but I couldn't have, I didn't have any good reason to say no, other than I just didn't want to do it. Now I'm saying yes. They had a plan for my life that I didn't think I had a plan for my life. 
But there's some things tomorrow I do not know what's going to happen, even no matter what I'm planning. And he said, you need to live that way. Your life is just like a vapor. It appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live also and do this or that. Now, that is just living life in such a way, realizing you aren't in control. You know, and a recovering control freak, I'd like to be in control of everything, but I'm not in control of everything. And even when I go to God and ask for insight, direct insight, he doesn't give it to me. Because there's certain things he just is, I'm not privy for. It's the need-to-know basis. I have this in the next point, which is in Deuteronomy 29.29. And that's a great verse for, to use in a lot of different ways. But I want to use the second part of it. In Deuteronomy 29.29 says this, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of the law. That would be a great memory verse. Because so often we're bothered about the things we do not know, and we don't worry about the things we already do know but aren't applying. Isn't that true? And so there's a sovereign or described will of God, and then there's the state, uh, uh, decreed will of God. Then there's the stated or described will of God. And it has been revealed. And that's what we're accountable to, to obey the things he has revealed. We talked a little bit last week that there are some things that are pretty straightforward about God's will for our lives. And just looking at 1 Thessalonians, uh, you know, he states that pretty, pretty plainly in words that are challenging for us the rest of our lives because often it's the simplest things that are so difficult to actually live out. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. <clears throat> Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and every game give thanks. And why should we do that? For this is God's will for your life. So when we leave this place, <clears throat> we all should know if I'm walking, not only what we've already talked about before in the past, but we know if, if our joy is in the Lord and not our circumstances, we're walking in God's will. If we're a, a people that are quick to pray, we're walking in God's will. If we're a, a people that, that regularly give thanks and we can find something good out of anything and everything and returning thanks to the Lord, we're in God's will. That's about as simple and as clear as possible. He then goes on, Do not quen don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophetic utterances, and examine everything carefully, hold fast that which is good, and abstain from that every form of evil. Now that's pretty clear. You're in God's will. If you, if you respond well to God's word and you, you look forward to guidance for it, you know what, was, what is good and you go after that, and you know that which is evil, and you get as far away as possible. And so often people say, well, how far away should I be? as far as possible from that which is evil. Uh, so we know what God's will is in the stated area. And there's plenty in this book to, to challenge us the rest of our life. But where most of us are at, what about the other part? What about the, the part where we want God's guidance? Because we do want God's guidance when we make choices and decisions. Is that true? Nod your head like, you know, I want God working in my life, right? Um, well, that's, is that, I would put it this way to keep the S's going. It's when we do things that are sensible uh, or directed by him, guided by him. And how does he do that? Primarily in one way. It's, it's through wisdom. God wants us to make wise choices. I was sharing the first service. And I've, I think I've used this analogy in the past. You know, we have four children, Alice and I. And every, every time one of those little ones plopped into our home, you know, we, we had a will for their life. And when they were younger, our will was... 
universal. You could say it was sovereign. I mean, they didn't make any choices. Isn't that true? Little, little people don't make any choices. Whatever happens is what you direct and guide them and tell them they got to do. But those little babies, what do they do? They grow up. Everyone realize that? They grow up. Okay, they go from their infant stage to the elementary stage to the middle school, junior high age to the high school stage, the, the dangerous stage. And it doesn't stop there. Then they go on the college age. And then they, then they get married. And it doesn't even stop there. And then they have children. They don't know how to raise your grandchildren, so you've got to tell them how to raise your grandchildren, all that. But, but, but let's, let's be honest here. When, it, when, it, when you go through that process, you begin to realize all those things that you had a will for their life, that you really didn't want them to depend upon you like they did when they were a baby, right? You don't want them to remain a baby. You don't want them to remain a child. You want to grow up adults. Nod your head like you're still agreeing with me, right? And so what is it? You care very much less about what they're going to do for a living, where they're going to live, you know, uh, all those kind of things. But what you want them to be is certain kind of people. You want them to love the Lord. You want them to follow his teachings. You want them to be people of integrity. You want them to be honest. You want, you want them to, to be people who are productive and, and serve other people, not serve themselves. And, and you could care less about all the other stuff that you thought was so important because it's what they become rather than what they do in life. And I want to submit to you, that's, that's God's plan for our life as well. He wants us to be wise children of His, to take His Word and then, then be wise about applying it in life. So this is what I want to submit to you. I'm going to run through a couple things in the time we have left. Does God have... Well, let me go through a couple passages as well. So if wisdom walk is what I'm suggesting to you is the way we make decisions. When we come to that point that's not stated in God's Word, we've got to make a choice. Whether it's on the simplest thing, like what Ada's going to have for breakfast, she prayed for half an hour before she ate breakfast, or where you're going to go to lunch, or if you're going to move, if you're going to change jobs, if you're going to... Where are you going to put your loved one in if they're having health issues? All those issues, some of those are much more important than others, and we, we really wrestle with them. I, I want to submit to you, how you know God's will is to try to make the best decision or the wisest decision. And when you make a foolish decision, that's not in God's will. And when you make a wise decision, that is in God's will. Would you agree with that? Well, how do you get wisdom? Well, in James 1, chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him... Ask of God. And see, that's where God comes in. We ask for God, and, and God leads us in understanding what wisdom is all about. And then so where is the source of wisdom? The source of wisdom is in His, in his Word. And when we get in God's Word, they're, they're, the book of Proverbs is all about wisdom. And throughout the Scripture, it, it, it gives us everything we need to know about how to live life. In 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God or the woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work, everything. It can be applied from God's word to the situation. If it's not spoken out directly, it will speak indirectly to it. But I want to give you an example. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and the Apostle Paul was one of those individuals within the the Old Testament, the New Testament, that God spoke directly to. And, and yet, he didn't always wait for God to speak directly to him to make decisions. Now, that must have been pretty difficult for him because, I mean, he got, 
I mean, he, he was able to write Bible, right? And so God could have given him specific things all the time, what to do and how to do it and when to do it and why to do it and all that. But that's not how he lived his life. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith. And I'll stop right there. In case you don't get the drift of that, Paul is uh, in Athens. He's in Greece. And he's got a concern for the church in Thessalonica. And when you have concern for somebody, you know, you can write them a letter. You know, we have more ways. You, could, you can Skype them. You can, you can uh, message them. You can email them. You can text them. You can all that kind of stuff like that. But when, in that day, when they were in Greece and they were in the Thessalonica area, they were far from each other. And so he had a concern. And so what are we going to do? We're here. We're there. We got a team here. And they said, we thought about it. We thought, what's the wise thing to do? And they said, we think it's best for us to stay here but to send Timothy to you. Now, how did they make that decision? Did God write it in the sky? Did they somehow get a, give a, some people a, a shiver in their liver? Did they, did they, did they somehow... Um, have a dream? No, they said, we think it is best. So when we make decisions that are not directly revealed from God's word, we simply pray for wisdom, think if there's any principles related to scripture, and I'm sure they thought, many of them, that we ought to, we ought to come alongside people in need, and say, so, well, okay, that's the truth. Well, how can we do that? Well, if we leave this place, they're in need, and those people over there need, hey, how about this? This sounds pretty novel. Why don't we just split up? Some of us stay here and some of us go there. It was simply a wise decision. Does that make sense? All right. So let's, uh, and then one other thing. God does work through our desires. In Psalm 37, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So when you're, when you're doing the wise thing and you're doing the scriptural thing, then, then God will work through your desires. And sometimes what you ought to do is exactly what you feel you want to do and should do. And just do it. Right? All right. Well, let me, let me put it this way. Does God have a secret will for your life that he expects us to figure out before we do anything? I'm promoting to you the answer to that is no. God's not playing a game with us. You're getting warmer. You're getting colder. You've got to find it before you do anything. No. There isn't, there isn't this lost will of God. God's will is... Is already found. It's in God's Word. And we do what God's Word says, and then we just do whatever is wise. God does not have an ideal best-case blueprint other than the one which is in Scripture that the believer may actually miss if he doesn't correctly discern it. God has spoken His Word, so don't try to find it out in these artificial ways. Let me just give you ones that people have told other Christians to do constantly. When you can't decide what to do, put out a fleece. Anybody hear that one before? What they do is they take Gideon's experience and they say, well, ask God to do something miraculous. Throw out a piece of wool there, you know, put, make it wet and make it dry and then make it that which is dry, wet. And, you know, he, he just asked for a miracle. But did that help him discern that, that God's will? No, all that did was confirm it. God had already told him. He said, in fact, he said that. You've already told me what to do, but just in case, you know, I didn't quite get it, will you do this miracle for me? Are we supposed to take someone who did something, did he do it in faith or in doubt? He didn't doubt. Why should we take his example of saying that's what we ought to do? We don't ask for miracles like that. Can God do the miraculous? Of course he can. But that's not the example for us. 
Well, how about respond to a still small voice? And some people say this, I know God's will because God gave me an impression on my heart, or he kind of spoke to me silently. But did we ever see that happen in Scripture? Not really. We have an example of Elijah in, in 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, and it, and it says of, of God that, he, that he, he arose a wind, but he wasn't in the wind. He rose an earthquake, but he wasn't in the earthquake. He, wasn't, he rose a fire, wasn't in the fire. And then, then he spoke to Elijah. But it wasn't a silent voice. It was an audible voice. He heard him. If God speaks to you out loud, then do it. But I've been a Christian a long time. He's never once spoke to me out loud. God can still speak out loud, but he doesn't regularly do it. So what we're talking about is the normal way to experience God's plan for your life, and it's not to wait for him to speak to you. That's just not normal in Scripture. How about looking for an inner peace? You ever heard that? I can't do that. I don't have a peace about it. All these I have done in, in misusing the, in the wrong way, and now I'm, I'm realizing this is, this is not God's plan to discern what he wants me to do. And often we'd say, well, I, I want to get a peace about it. Well, is that, is that normative? How about Jesus? The, the only time that we know that Jesus struggled with God's, the Father's will is in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And he says, uh, and he, he's just pleading with God the Father to, to change this plan, right? Now, did Jesus change his commitment to God's will based on an inner peace? No. This is what it says about it in Matthew chapter 26. My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. I dare say that Jesus did not have an inner peace right before he went to the cross. Because he knew how horrific it was to be tortured for our sin and to bear our sin on the cross. It wasn't an inner peace. How about interpret circumstances? Many, many people look for that open door, shut door. And look, at there are things in our life that will be controlled by circumstances, but, but we... We better not just think we're discerning God's will by reading the tea leaves. And maybe you've had some experience that way, but in Scripture, it wasn't always that obvious. Remember um, Paul and Silas when they're in the, in the Philippian jail with a Philippian jailer? They were in there singing praises. They were getting ready to join Allegra's choir, and they were singing, singing to God. And all of a sudden, the earthquake arose, and the, and the doors of the jail just flew open. The jailer comes in, sees the doors open. He's about ready to take his life, isn't he? He's ready to commit suicide because he knew that if he lost all his prisoners, he would receive capital punishment from the Roman Empire. But also Paul and Silas says, no, no, stop. We're all here. Now, if we went on the open door policy, he would say, well, look, God allowed the earthquake to happen. Those doors are open. God must want me to get out of jail, Right? But that wasn't, that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was for them to stay there and witness to the jailer who came to know Christ in all of his household. So open door policy isn't, a, isn't just a, a car that says, now you know what God wants you to do. Uh, there's all kinds of, you know, there, there are people, people take, uh, they're looking for a verse. I know, I want to know what God wants me to do. So they, they, they talk, fan the page, okay? And then they put their finger on a verse. Don't, I don't have time to talk. Just don't do that. Just do not do that. God's word has an intended meaning. This is not like genie in a bottle where you just, you fan the pages and look for a verse. Because just as many times that that's worked out, many more times it hasn't worked out. If you did that to Acts chapter 9 verse 6, they would say, go into another city and the first person basically who talks to you, he'll tell you what to do. 
So right after church, go down to Laguna Beach, and first person who says something to you, do whatever they tell you to do. Is that how God reveals himself? Now, I'm not saying God can't do that, but that's not the plan. That's not the normal way God spoke to people. He spoke to them out of his word. So, so how are we supposed to live this out? Let me, let me, uh, let me do some things here. I'm going to draw you a picture, and then we're going to say a couple things, then I'll let you go. God's will can be seen in a number of different ways. One is his will is sovereign. So if you look at all this page, if you're on the backside, you can do this. All of what happens in life it happens because God allows it to happen. Everything. There, there, he's counted every hair on your head, and there isn't a sparrow that hasn't fallen from the sky that he isn't aware of it. Everything is allowed by God. But as we look at it, well, what, how do we get, connect with God's plan for our life? Well, if you put one circle, and this is our life, this is his stated will. All right? This is his described will. This is his revealed will. All this is his secret will. We don't know about all those things. Okay, but what about those things that, that are not stated in God's word I've got to make a decision about? You know, who am I going to marry? What job am I going to have? Where am I going to live? Whatever it might be. What, what kind of a health plan am I going to take? What, what, what kind of treatment should I take? All those kind of things. You've got to make a decision. And you're trying to look for a verse and says, I don't know if there's a verse in the Bible that says whether I ought to take this medicine or that medicine. Right, am I talking about where we, where we live here? Okay, so we have to make those decisions. I'm, I'm suggesting to you that what you do is realize that there is a sensible part of God's will. And that's the wisdom walk. Well, how do you get wisdom? You get wisdom by asking God for wisdom, and God primarily will illuminate Scripture and allow you to think uh, as he thinks, but he's also said that uh, in Proverbs fifteen twenty two, in the presence of many counselors, you know, there's great success. So ask other people, what do you think I ought to do that? You know, there are a lot of things I've decided to do that I wouldn't have done if I had asked some other people before I did it. Would anybody, you know, give a witness to that? Anybody want to give a testimony to that? That if you had taken time to ask some, some people that you respected, that you considered wise, and you, and you really earned carefully listen to him, you would have made a different decision. Anybody want to say you can remember one decision like that? Okay. And, and so he said, okay, this is our active part in determining what God wants to do when we make decisions. Consider anything the scripture says about it, and there's tons of things that God says about, about everything that we do in life. But then as you look at making a decision is, is talk to other people, get some other counsel about it. Now, this isn't a fail-safe system here because if you talk to five people, how many opinions are you going to get? You can get five opinions, six. Some people get six opinions. So you have to weigh the counsel you get from people, but get other input. But, okay, so if you take these two things together, it's, it intersects with God's stated will and uh, a, a wisdom decision. But sometimes you, you, you think it through and you think, look, I've got two options, and I think both options are good. You ever had that occasion? Hey, I think... Either school would be a good school, or either place we go to, to lunch today would be, a good, would be fine with me, or, or whatever it might. You have these options, and you say, well, I think either way would work. So then, then what do you do? And here, and I haven't put this in the outline, I would say there's another will, and this is your, because I want to keep the S's together, your self-will or your desires. To give the, the E's, the D's in there. And that's where Psalm 37 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, 
and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So then what you have, you have this little intersection here where you've considered Scripture. You, you, you thought, what's the wise thing? Or as Paul said, what's the best thing? And then you come up with multiple options, any more than one option. And then you say, well, how do I decide? Well, simply do what you want to do. That's all right. You know, when I'm talking to my kids and we've kind of gone through some things like, well, what do you want to do? I'd like to do that. Well, that sounds great to me. Just do it. Why? Because it fits with Scripture. It's not a bad decision. Well, just do what you want to do. God is our loving Father. He wants us to do things that, that we would be, enjoy doing or be passionate about or we see a higher purpose. And sometimes the thing we want to do is what we think is the best thing to do, even though that's not necessarily the, the funnest thing to do, but we know we're, we're doing something that's really good. Does that make sense? So basically what you do in terms of deciding God's will is you think, okay, one, uh, in fact, I have on your, I'll, I'll put it in the outline I, I gave you. What are some principles that determine God's will? Number one, the principle of obedience. When God commands it, we must obey. So if there's anything specific God has said that relates to how I'm living or the decision I got to make, if, if God's been clear, then I don't have to worry about, I don't have to go any further. Just do what he says. Secondly, the principle of freedom. When there is no command, God gives us freedom and responsibility to choose. Uh, Kevin DeYoung in his book on God's will just said, just do something. Have you ever been with somebody who just won't make a decision? And, and maybe you've heard that analogy. You know, God is, it's much easier for God to, to direct, in fact, not only God, but anybody else, to, to direct a car that's moving than a car that's not what? Not moving. The same thing with our life. We're doing nothing. It's pretty hard to God get us off our dime here. So just do something and God will give direction. So realize you have a freedom and responsibility to choose. Thirdly, the principle of wisdom. When there is no command, God gives us wisdom to choose. What is the best thing to do? And then fourthly, the principle of humble trust. When we make choices as believers, we must trust the sovereign God to work all the details together for good. And that's the part that is impossible for any preacher or teacher to explain. I hit in the first service probably harder than I should as far as often people are looking for the miraculous to guide them. And in reality, in Scripture, miracles were rather rare. Even, like I said, with the Apostle Paul, he didn't ask for God to miraculously reveal to him what he ought to do while he was in Athens. They got together and talked about it and said, this is the best thing to do, so let's do it. Later on, when Timothy was sick, he, didn't, he just didn't pray a prayer of healing upon him. He said, take some medicine. Now, does that mean that God doesn't heal? No, God still heals. Does that mean that God doesn't do the miraculous? That doesn't mean that. Does not God arrange circumstances providentially to accomplish his purpose? Of course God does that. But that's stuff out of our control. The only part we participate in that is to pray. Yet we're praying for things in Texas, but we have no idea what God's going to do. Isn't that true? And we might give and do some things there, but we participate in it with prayer and asking God to do that which we believe would be honoring to him and if he'll heal that person to heal him, but he'll decide that, right? So we're actively involved in it, but when we live out God's plan, he's saying, look, just, just do what I've already told you to do. Don't worry about those things that I haven't told you or revealed to you. And in those areas where you're, you've got to make a choice, then, then just make a wise choice. And when you've got multiple options, if you're delighted in me, I, I delight in that you do what you want to do. Just do something that you, you would enjoy doing. A law that fits with a, a wise choice and, a, a sense, and, a, and, a, and it relates to my will, a stated will in God's word, then just do something you, you want to do. That's, I control your desires and go for it. 
So, so bottom line is, so what? Be obedient, be wise, and find that your joy is in the Lord. And when your joy is in the Lord, then he will, he will direct your desires to go down the path that will most honor him and allow you to walk in his intended purpose for your life. Let's pray together. Well, I really pray that this, uh, this was helpful uh, for us to, to consider that, that your will is not, is not lost, it's not hidden, it's not, it's not mysterious, it's, it's been revealed to us, that which we need to be accountable to. And in those other areas, you want us just to mature, and to mature means that we become more like adults, we make wise, good decisions, and you delight to shape our hearts and minds through your word to make that happen. And when we are at that point of not fully convinced what the best choice is, help us just to make a choice. And if it needs to be changed, you providentially will do so. But Father, when we live out our lives in ways that are obedient to what you've already told us, our lives will be marked by people who know you and walk with you. Help us to live out your will and plan for our lives. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let's stand this morning.